Hello, everybody, and welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of CanonTimeline.com. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Mobley, and I'm joined by my two favorite fans in the galaxy, Alex Vargas and Rebecca June Lane. How is everyone doing? Doing great. Doing good. Sweet. Usually, I just we just kind of start the show, and I'm like, what's everybody been doing in their Star Wars lives? But something unique is actually going on right now in the fact that we're all literally reading the same book at the same time. Yeah. Uh, which is certain point of view. Am I, am I incorrect in that, saying that? Or are we all... I have to buy it. <gasps> Alex been, and I I've, were reading it. I've been so preoccupied with modifying my... Uh, my E11 blaster the past like week and a half. I haven't done anything else, but I I will buy it. I, I I finished the book and I thought it was delightful. I don't Becky, how are you feeling about it? I'm about seven stories in, so I got I got a ways to go. Um, but I'm really enjoying it so far. My favorite story so far was the red one about the little red droid or two whatever who doesn't get picked by Luke and Uncle Owen. It was just really sad. It was like super sad. I get emotional when it comes to droids, and you actually got to like hear R two D 2s voice in that, like from you know this droid's you know interpretation of the beeps. Oh yeah. But he kept talking about like how he'd spent four years in the belly of that crawler, and he had just been miserable, and then. You know, he ends up sacrificing. It's a really great story. I'll say the worst one so far is definitely the one where they just list a bunch of forms. Was that the one with the escape pod? Because I actually loved that one. Really? Where it's just like 10 minutes of her listing different forms and the guy being like, well, what's that one for? (laughs) (laughs) But I liked the excuse they came up with. But I don't want to spoil a lot. Like, I will say that uh, having finished the book, I enjoyed most of the stories. There were a couple that I was kind of like, eh. Yeah. And I, I, I ended up skipping like maybe three of them because I was just a little bored. But yeah, some interesting things get revealed in that book that I'd never thought about before. And then some in, so, like they fill in some plot holes really well. Yeah. From the original movie. And I'll say that the final story, while I'm 99.9% sure it's not supposed to be canon, is freaking hilarious. <laughs> and I won't spoil it, but I... I I laughed really hard when when listening to it. Um, nice, but yeah, yeah I, I I think it's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> well, I I find I have a feeling I'm gonna come back to these maybe just like randomly if I have thirty minutes. Um, this is also yeah. the first time I've done one of these fancy audiobooks, and it is. Oh, so you're doing the audiobook? You're doing the audiobook also? Well, I had to. I had to get the John Hamm voice up in my brain space. But yeah, no, I I it's exciting because yeah, they do music and sound effects and. Yeah, it's really immersive. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, something we have all participated in, and I don't know if we want to talk about this now briefly, is the Rebels premiere that just happened. Mm-hmm. We did. I think at the end of the show, we're going to do a spoilery Ooh. discussion. But for now, just talking about, you know, it's back. How does everyone feel about it being back? I'm happy. Same. I'm, I'm just sad that it's going to be over so soon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we knew it was going to end. It was announced at Celebration. But still, I mean, I, these are stories that we want to fill the gaps. And I'll be curious to see what the next uh, piece of Star Wars animation is that we see. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited because it looks like they're going to do kind of these longer stories and maybe have a little bit more continuing storyline throughout. So, yeah, you know, I'm excited about that kind of 
the story growing. And yeah, I'm sad that it's going to end too, but I'm ex- so excited it's going to end because when things end, it means all the threads get tied together. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it, just watching the most recent one though. There was you know a little interaction that I enjoyed, and but then I got really melancholy because I'm like, gosh, it's a Rogue One situation. Isn't everyone going to die? Aren't we all going to die? I don't see how we're going to avoid that. Find out more at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I en- I enjoyed the first two episodes. And yeah, I think we're only getting, technically we're getting four more episodes before it goes back on hiatus until next year. And we're getting them all this month. So the next two weeks, basically we're getting new episodes. And then they're, and then they're like, early 2018 is when we finish the season. I'm like, God. <laughs> but apparently, according to Dave Filoni, they're supposed to answer all your hanging questions i hope so and it's the thing is with all these questions being answered they're hard questions that are either going to have really good endings or really hard endings for us to accept like these are characters that we've grown to love Mm -hmm. and we've taken them and we see uh, references to Hera in in, uh, rogue one so we know certain people survive but under what circumstances right I'm, i'm curious and in terms of whatever their next animated show is do you think that the season finale will hint at what that is, or do you think we're going to have to wait until... I feel like that's a... Because obviously there's no celebration next year, but I honestly feel like we're not going to get an animated show next year, and that at the next celebration in 2019 is when they'll announce the show and say it's coming out later in the year. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's unfortunate because I just want more, but... I'm I'm very curious to see what it ends up being. I have this feeling like it's going to be I know everyone wants between episode 6 and 7, but I kind of doubt you're going to get that. I think you're probably going to get a New Hope Empire show. Really? It probably won't. I mean, yeah, and I mainly because I feel like they like continuing the Clone Wars kind of thing, you know? So I have a feeling like Rebels characters will appear in this new show on occasion. As sort of a way to be like, you know, oh, they're still there kicking or whatever. They just need to be careful because that same time period is being uh, told to us in the comics, too. You don't want to have any kind of right. weird yeah. overlap. I feel like they're they're going to run out of room real soon. They are. There, but it that doesn't mean that they can't tell stories about different characters doing totally different things in that era. You know? Well, yeah. my concern with that is that tonally and and what the actual content of the show would be so similar to Rebels, since it's still the Rebels, that I'm not sure. Sure if that would be though what would be interesting is maybe focusing and that kind of leads into our main topic on um the empire and not such a you know these guys are evil kind of way maybe a story that focuses on you know some people on the other side might be interesting yeah also maybe just a group of smugglers or something yeah yeah or or what about something going back to the uh the old republic do something like tales of the jedi oh there's a lot of stories right there like an anthology show Yes, I mean, it's something that takes place before episode one. I mean, there's a lot of story that has yet to be told in that end. And I'm sure you can just do, you know, little short stories about the Jedi and all this stuff. And maybe you can start sprinkling in Palpatine's ideas and stuff. Like, you start wondering all that. I would really like, what if each season was almost like a different show? Yeah, kind of kind of like, uh, oh, what's the name of that horror show that does that? American Horror Twilight Story. Zone? Yeah, American Horror Story, like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, Josh? Oh, that's on every episode. <laughs> but... but yeah, that would be nice. Like, you don't have to tell a continual, continuous story, but just tell a story for one season about one specific thing. 
and yeah. then move on. Yeah, here's a here's eight episodes about Jar Jar people trying to <laughs> escape working in a spice mine. Eight episodes about Jar Jar being banned from his, you know. Yeah, it's a season you can skip. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, Rebels. When you compare it to Clone Wars, Rebels is a lot more focused. You know, there was a lot more kind of digression in Clone Wars where we would follow just random stories and not our central trio of you know ahsoka obi-wan and and anakin so it'd be interesting because they have kind of some experience in telling one-off stories so that's a that's a cool idea yeah other than that is and alex you said you were working on your your blaster what did you do to it so i bought a uh a rubies which is a you know they make those cheap costumes Um, i bought an e11 which is the the standard stormtrooper blaster and i modified it got some 3d printed parts bondoed it sanded it painted it glued it found random pieces online um there's actually a guy who has a great tutorial which i can post on our uh, facebook page on how to modify a cheap white and orange blaster the rubies to make it look a lot nicer so i spent like the mm. past week and a half doing all this work and it uh it's ready to go with me on my next troop nice very cool i love that kind of stuff yeah like, it's i'm fun. gonna buy this 15 dollars toy and make it look like a prop i think that's super cool Anyone else got anything else going on before we get into our topic? I discovered that, um, this is well known, but that Alec mm-hmm. Guinness, as an anagram, can say genuine class. Uh, that is nice. pretty cool. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I like that. We have that. Uh, Alex Guinness pint glasses. Same. Those celebration, are, those right? Are, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I bought two of those at Celebration. We haven't and, used uh, ours. They're just on display. Oh, we still u- we use them. <laughs> They're cool. I like them. Anyway, uh, how's about we go on our topic? Yeah. Once again, welcome to Long Time Ago Radio. Whether you're from the class of 77 or Rogue One was your first Star Wars film, you're welcome here. And now, on to the topic of the show. It's Darth Vader! Watch out! And he's got a lightsaber! It's Kenner's Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. I got you now, Ben Kenobi! With R2-D2 and C-3PO, there's even Chewbacca and Han Solo. Someone's coming, Chewie. Who's there? It's Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker. Now I know the Force is with us. Darth Vader, R2-D2, C-3PO, and other Kenner Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. So, finishing off our two-parter, which we started last episode, which was all about rebels that don't conform to the general idea of the rebellion being the good guys, we're going to flip the script now on the Empire. We're going to talk about... Imperial characters, factions, and maybe some of the basic morality and ideas that you might consider good. So Imperials that maybe do good or join to the Empire for the right reasons, or maybe some of the things that the Empire maybe did right. So we'll get into that. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit. I don't really know where to start, but... Well, comparing uh, when we talked last week, we looked at the Declaration of Rebellion, from the rebels and kind of found you know some harsh language in there that could be you know justified in different ways and i feel like it's interesting to kind of look at the empire in their declaration which was chichel papatine's speech which we see a bit of in revenge of the sith um but there's actually a full text for what's called the declaration of a new order and you know basically the arguments of why the empire is a force of good can be found in there the idea that um the bureaucracy and the corruption that led to the separatist movement all that stuff is going to be wiped away i i like one part of it in particular if it's cool if i read 
Under the Empire's new order, our most cherished beliefs will be safeguarded. We will defend our ideals by force of arms. We will give no ground to our enemies, and we will stand together against attacks from within and without. Let the enemies of the Empire take heed. Those who challenge Imperial resolve will be crushed. So very aggressive language. Um, at the end of the speech, he also says, we will prevail. 10,000 years of peace begins today. And George Lucas has said that this speech is supposed to mimic Hitler's speech about the thousand-year Reich. So on the surface, these are definitely the bad guys. Palpatine's supposed to be a Hitler-type figure. But at the same time, you know, they did bring the entire galaxy under one rule of law. And that kind of uh, propaganda line perpetuates throughout the length of the Empire's rule. The fact that this was the one way to correct the corruption of the Republic and that the Jedi, which I love this line, um, the new order of peace has triumphed over the shadowy secrecy of shameful magicians, which is kind of hilarious. I don't know, just the phrase shameful <laughs> magicians. Um, so yeah, you know, you could argue from this uh, declaration that there was a need for a big change. Um, obviously, the, his true intentions kind of belie that, but I think that line really resonated with a lot of people around the galaxy because there were people who did believe that the Empire was a force of good. And you see that in most a lot of the books that have come out. Yeah, it's mostly the books. Like, the yeah. movies do not really tackle the nuance as much, which I don't know that the movies are a place for that, although we'll see with Last Jedi. Yeah. I find it interesting that there are actually examples of characters, specifically in the comics and in the books, who join the Empire for good reasons, and they try to do good things, and of course it wouldn't be an episode of Long Time Ago Radio if I didn't mention Lost Stars. I feel like we need a sound effect for Lost Stars. I don't know I what know. it would be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just play the, the Star Wars intro real loud. Lost Stars. <laughs> da, na, na, na. I mean, I think the most prime example that I can think of is Sienna in Lost Stars, mm -hmm. who is like one of my favoritest characters ever. She, I mean, she joins the Empire because she wants to fly. I think she has a passion for piloting. And then ult that ultimately changes to wanting to help people. And there's even a, there's an entire scene in that book where there are a bunch of civilians. Like it's like a volcano explodes or something like that. And there's a bunch of civilians trapped. And she purposefully disobeys orders to fly and save them. And, I mean, you could the Empire saved those people, you know? Like, sure. that's something good that they did. Those people would have died otherwise. Well, I think it's, they make it clear at the very beginning of that novel, I'm not all the way through it, shamefully still, um, but just the way they describe, you know, the celebrations of Empire Day, which is the anniversary of this speech that I was talking about, how, you know, it's not constant depression on every planet, you know, as, as the movies kind of make it to seem, you know, there are people who... Um, especially the affluent people who seem to be in like the cities of these of these planets that are under the Empire's rule, um, enjoy the pageantry of it all. And as you mentioned, she wanted to be a Santa wanted to be a, a, a pilot. They really pushed that. They pushed recruitment, kind of a Uncle Sam, you know, we we want I want you to join the army kind of situation. So there was this aspect of it that was enticing to people who wanted to get off of their planets. Like, here's a way for you to see the world, which, you know, both both our main characters in, in Lost Stars heeded that call. Exactly. Well, Luke almost heeded that call, too. Did he? Yeah, to he go was. to the Yeah, he wanted to go to the Imperial Academy. That was his whole point of him trying to leave. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the, it was probably one of his only options uh, to leave. 
Tatooine anyway, other yeah. than getting off on a on a ship. But well, and then Sabine was in the the academy, correct? From Rebels. I don't. Sabine know. was a part of the academy, yeah, because that's where uh, they talk about her time there, and that's how she kind of knew the uh, the Tie Pilot Academy, how that whole system worked. When the episode, I think, was with Biggs. Yeah, and this episode that just took place, they reference mm-hmm. it quite a bit. Yeah. And I, it, I was going to actually ask about that when we talk about Rebels later. Is there a reason that she left? Because we see in Lost Stars a main reason why some of our characters who haven't seen anything wrong with the Empire yet start to you know, have pause is, is the destruction of Alderaan, which seems pretty outrageous. But then when that's quickly followed up by the destruction of the Death Star, a lot of people are like, oh, JK, uh, the Rebels are worse. This is bad. And you could see how someone who's inside the Empire could rationalize the destruction of Alderaan, which I think we spoke about a little bit last week. Yeah, they uh, and and a lot of them do justify the destruction of Alderaan and stuff in their head. But there is something to be said too in that book about when the death, like the Death Star getting destroyed, is almost played as as just as big a tragedy as Alderaan is being destroyed because. They, they know all these people they met at the academy. It's like they have all these friends, and a bunch of them just gone. die. They're just gone. And so they they have all these grudges like, well, the rebels took my friends from me. They did nothing wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I think that's an interesting perspective. There's this um, Thrawn quote I found, and it's actually, it's not, it's a Legends quote. It's from... This amazing looking series, which I mentioned to you guys, I think off the pod last week, Galaxy of Fear, which was a series of books that were kind of horror teen books, I think. One called The The Swarm, but there's a great um, quote from him. I encounter civilians like you all the time. You believe the Empire is continually plotting to do harm. Let me tell you, your view of the Empire is far too dramatic. The Empire is a government. It keeps billions of beings fed and clothed. Day after day, year after year, on thousands of worlds, people live their lives under imperial rule without seeing a stormtrooper or hearing a TIE fighter scream overhead. Which, I kind of like that. It's kind of like a a general being like, all right, everyone, calm down. I know you're all excited. I know you're all upset. But the Empire isn't to blame. We're just a government. If something bad happens, then that's a bad thing. But that is not representative of the Empire as a whole. For sure. I found a I found a, an interesting quote of Sienna and for her friend Jude trying to justify the destruction of Alderaan because mm. they kind of go through mental gymnastics to do it. But it says, "So what happened today? As many people as were lost, even more would die in a massive galactic war." And it says, "Exactly. Think of the billions who perished in the Clone Wars." So in their head, like the destruction of Alderaan is sort of like I don't know if I don't know if you guys have ever heard the argument for dropping the atom bomb on Japan that whole philosophy where and for listeners that that don't know there's this argument that um cuz some people say like we should never drop the atomic bomb on Japan and there's another perspective on that event that well the war would have continued for possibly years and more people may have died in the war if we had not dropped the bomb than did from actually dropping the bomb. And mm-hmm. I'm not making a claim as to, I'm not, you know, I'm not picking a side <laughs> here. I'm just argument. saying, I'm just laying out what that is. And, and what these, what this quote is, is sort of a, uh, a pull from, from that in their minds, you know, Alderaan was a hub for rebels 
and the rebels are bad. They do bad things, and they may have killed a lot of innocent people, but if they get rid of the rebels, they're going to, you know, and they killed all those people. Those people didn't die in vain because now the rebels will probably be too afraid to fight back, and thus there won't be a war in which billions more people die, you know? Yeah. Like the Clone Wars. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was seeing, you know, you mentioned it kind of there. Most of the aggression we see uh, is based on the rebels, is fighting the rebels, and that can be justified. You know, you have a government, you have an insurgent force, you can fight that insurgent force. The question is how much of the destruction of of, uh, planets outside of Alderaan, uh, the pillaging of resources, um, the taking of slaves that we see kind of alluded to a lot in rebels, how much of that is actually going on? Um, and, you know, is there any level of that kind of behavior that's acceptable for, uh, a governing body? I don't know. I mean, you compare it to the Republic and obviously I think the biggest difference between the two is that, you know, one is a military force and the other literally has no military. It's a completely different approach to governing, um, through force, through recruitment. And so I think that does breed a... Uh, society of people who are who are maybe more engaged than they were uh, you know they felt probably distant from their representatives who were just off on a you know a course on making laws now it's like okay well my son's in the imperial army you know people have a little bit more of a connection to it Mm -hmm. which you see that on the flip side too with the rebellion you have you're gonna you'll see it a little bit in these upcoming episodes um, of rebels but you see saw guerrero's band of people working a certain way which you can kind of see as this insurgency within the rebellion versus the rebellion who early on was trying to figure out ways to do it through diplomacy. Mm-hmm. You had you, you had that same that same issue that the empire has, and it's it's kind of which which is the right way to approach this. Right. And on both sides, you're, there's there's no clear cut answer. Yeah. I have another uh, character, and and it sort of ties into a planet that actually benefited from the empire's influence, so. We have Ray Sloan, who has been in a number of things. I think her main debut was like Aftermath. Mm-hmm. But she's also appeared in some of the comics as well. And she's also a character in the uh, A New Dawn book, the Rebels book. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is a naval officer in the, in the Imperial Navy. And her whole deal is that her... Her original planet she was from was basically like it, it, it was run like it had lots of criminal activity. It was a little nuts and dangerous, and she'd almost been mugged and killed like on multiple occasions. But when the Empire showed up, they actually they brought law and order to the planet and they cleared out all the criminals and actually made the planet, which I. It was listed here, and I just saw it, and now I'm missing it. But the point is, they uh, they cleared out her planet and made it peaceful and and nice, and this convinced her that the Empire was a force for good, and that's why she she enlisted. And I think that that's interesting because it it and and from what I understand, she's she's not necessarily doing like evil things, but right. She she is under the impression that, and I would say rightfully so, you know that the empire did good, and because it, it did for her home planet. Right. There's really no way for us to gauge that. I think at this point of 
the ratio of planets who flourished versus the ones that had their resources pillaged and, and their populations suffered. Right. And I'm sure each planet had both sides of the issue, too. You probably had the group of people that benefited from the empire probably making money off of certain things versus those who, you know, their land was taken away from them. They're forced to grow crops that they didn't want. I think you kind of see that in uh, with Lethal. Yeah. Uh, there's a certain group, of, there's a certain class of people who are, you know, they're fine with it. They're making money. They're prospering. And then there's this other side that they're they're losing out. They're losing everything they have. Right. But the argument could be like, okay, well, what about before the empire when, you know, instead of having the government, you know, exploit regions and peoples, there were these companies, you know, there was the Techno Union mm-hmm. Army, the Commerce Guild, the, you know, these kinds of, uh, it, they touch on it. I, I would like to see kind of more in depth as to, cause, cause Palpatine kills the leaders of all those organizations. And yeah. um, I think most of the economics turned through the empire after that. Um, and, you know, clearly those organizations were, were very corrupt and were engaging in dangerous uh, practices like invading Naboo. So, you know, one could argue that having one body oversee a lot of the economy, um, you know, helped out. But I have a question. So aside from the destruction of Alderaan, which was meant to be a hit at the rebellion, but also a show of force uh, for the entire, what's the worst thing we see the Empire do? Is there anything that comes Probably that. <laughs> I mean, it's mass um, genocide. Well, sure. Aside from that. Yeah. It, aside yeah. from mass aside genocide. Aside from that, you have the destruction. I mean, it's not as bad, but you had the destruction of Jeddah City. Um, the Empire causes genocide. They basically kill Geonosis. They, they kill the planet. Right. So that's Which, probably... That's revealed in Rebels, is, right? That episode, that's revealed in Rebels. And you see it in some of the early comics, too. Um, what's, what's interesting is that that whole idea of the planet being, you know, wiped out, the genocide is kept quiet. Mm-hmm. Like as opposed to saying, "Oh, it's an accident." This is that. It's just there's no mention of it. They, yeah. the, the rebels, come across it by accident. Really, they're wondering why there's no life forms on the planet, and they they find I out. I mean, why. it was a traditionally hostile planet for the Republic, so you have to imagine that, like, for the last hundred years or so, I mean, it, the yeah. the Republic even went to war on geonosis because it was a separatist world but like i mean after the war they probably just kind of forgot about it and then the empire obviously enslaved a lot of the geonosians so that they could build the the death star but yeah then they got wiped out but um and then what happened to um sorry click clack (laughs) big uh oh that's me sorry uh no uh, no i meant the character (laughs) oh I think I'm sorry. Now I remember Click Clack, yes. <laughs> I don't know Click Clack who's Click That Clack. circle on the dot and he's like, Oh yeah, this is a bomb. He's like, No, you guys, come on, it's a Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Click Clack. Uh Click Clack was that Geonosian they find on at Geonosis and oh, Rebels yeah, yeah, yeah. when they go and the he has like has the, the egg, egg and everything and he's trying to tell which, them about the Death Star. If you watch uh what do you call it? Rebels Recon, you discover that that egg becomes a queen. Which is the queen that Darth Vader comes across in the Darth Vader comic, the, the first series. Wow! If you watch, if you're not watching Rebels Recon after watching every episode of Rebels, you're missing out. Yeah, I know. I haven't watched the one. I haven't watched the one for this episode, but I do make watch sure, it. Yeah, make sure you watch it. Um, so I was gonna say Zeb. I ca- I couldn't remember the name of his people, um, but it's alluded to that they were all massacred, correct? Um, and Callus was were. involved in that massacre. Um, he was 
I can't remember why, but it was some sort of official imperial business. Um, and it, it should obviously be said that the empire is very human centric. And I think most of the exploitation they did are on, you know, kind of more alien looking species. Yeah, they're very human centric. Mm hmm. Um, and they actually, I don't, I think it was, it, it's mentioned in uh, one of the stories in certain point of view that why there's so many humans in Star Wars, because apparently they are just the most prevalent species in the entire galaxy. I was going to ask, do you think there's the, the reason that we say that the Empire's human centric is because they just didn't have the money to make like a ton of aliens back in the day? <laughs> I mean, they might have. Yeah. And that's just an excuse, but yeah, yeah apparently, yeah, that's. That's a thing in the Star Wars universe that I was not aware of until reading the book. Yeah, that that like they say something like seventy percent of all the species in the galaxy are humans. Ah, basically, I guess we just like to reproduce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we haven't talked yet about the upcoming Battlefront Two, Chica, who's clearly good. Iden Versio. Yes. Yes. Uh, you call her Chica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's clearly she's from an imperial family. You know, this is her life. This is what she takes pride in. And, um, you know, I don't think we're going to go through that story and be like, oh, I hate her the whole time. Like, they're clearly trying to make I, it. Yeah. Having read Inferno Squad, I think they do a good job of having you. I feel like I get her. Mm. Um, she does have a, a, a weird relationship with her father where she is simultaneously trying to impress and make him proud but at the same time like vehemently hates him <laughs> but is is Aiden a good person is is something I keep thinking about and I'm like I don't know I mean I guess so because in a way she in the book I mean does a she does a good thing she, she's infiltrating a rebel cell that is clearly evil you know like Saw Gerrera's partisans obviously take it too far. Like we talked about this on our last episode and that's the, that's the entire point of the book. And so I, I get why, you know, her doing, doing that would be a good thing, but it's, it's, it's odd because it it's like, I don't really feel like I know her super well, even after spending all this time with those characters in that book, I feel like I don't really have, a grasp on who they really are, but I think that's on purpose because I was they're, say, are they holding stuff back for the, yeah, they're very closed off, you know, military people. Yeah. And they don't talk about themselves all that often. I mean, you get some personal stuff with, with Iden, but like they don't, they don't go too far. They don't go far enough to where you feel like, like, I feel like I know Leia like inside and out. <laughs> I don't feel like I know Aiden, you know. Well, I, something you were saying before, uh, I think, raises a good question in terms of is somebody a good person? Now, if, you know, like Sienna, do you think she's a good person? You know, yeah. is, is there, if you go into something with honest intentions, if you actually, if you believe you're doing good, is the outcome, does the outcome matter? Is is it about intention? Does that speak more to your character? Uh, then you know, because you could frame the empire and the and the rebellion either way. Um, right. Is it more yeah. about you know what what they're bringing to it? Because clearly, he's, Palpatine is a bad guy. Oh, he's clearly evil. Yeah. Um, 
But as far as the people who are working for them, you know, they could be good people. They could have good intentions. They could actually believe what they're doing is right. And, you know, even though they're doing terrible things, does that still make them, does that make them bad people? I don't think, I don't think Cyan is a bad person. Because, I mean, she even clearly, on top of pretty much getting to know her and Thane so well, because you get, you get the you get to meet them when they're like six, seven ish, all the way until they're like thirty, you know, through that entire book. You really get a sense of like who they are, and and I my sense of her was always like she is a good person. She might even realize like I, there's even some quotes in the book. I was looking for like a really good quote from the book, and I couldn't really find anything on the internet. But um, there's there is a quote from her about how she kind of knows that the empire is corrupt and she knows about all these, that they do bad things. Like, you know, some people in the empire do bad things, but she's convinced that it can be a force for good if the people like her are in it. And she has a point because if all of the people like her left, what's left? Right. That's a great point. So, the reason she stays and the reason she tries to make it better, like the way she feels it should be is because leaving is like giving up, giving in to, you know, the evil itself. Like she's going to, she's going to stay in that organization, even if it's bad and doing bad things, because she feels like she can actually make a difference and change the, change it from the inside, which do you think she's doing anything to cause that change, though? I mean, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to read the books or anything. But is there? Mm. Uh, I mean, is, she is does. There like an effort to try to help change heaven within the empire, or is it just yeah? Because over the course of the book, she works her way up. Oh, nice. Know. Okay, I need to read. Um, these and they books. mention they do a thing in the book too, where they mention like, you know, the Death Star gets killed and so many people die and like so many people get promoted because all of a sudden there's all these empty (laughs) seats and then it happens again you know and when the death star 2 gets blown up they're like we're in chaos and disarray like the the imperial navy and they're like there's promotions left and right no one knows what's going on like it's complete chaos you know and and stuff so well that's it that that reminds me of something else uh, and that's uh is a great example of is you know, she starts out, we see her when she's like six years old and she's poor. She's poor and she's from a planet where her people are the lowest people on the planet. They're looked down on. They're considered, you know, um, backwater trash. And she's able to work her way up to being an incredibly important person in the Imperial Navy because of hard work. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that stands in her way in terms of you know, blocks that the empire puts in her way. They are someone who, like I was saying before, they recruit. And if you work hard, you can improve your life standing. And I don't think in the Republic, she would have had many options like that. I think you see that most, most of the senators and people we see are, you know, clearly children of, of royalty or, um, you know, great influence, great wealth. You know, it's not like a, a, you know, a bunch of representatives of the people, but in the empire's world, you can start from nothing and become incredibly important. And that's, that's a positive for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even staying within that book, talking about Cyan and like get being able to work her way up from her social standing on on Jellocan. Like I've always found one of the things that's really fascinating about that book that I absolutely love is how it deals with privilege. Mm. 
And she comes from somewhere where she doesn't have privilege because she's she's a poor and and she's one of the the like quote valley kindred is what they're called mm-hmm. uh which are like the people who got there first <laughs> and then the other class of people are called second waivers who came from like another planet and they're they think they're like high and mighty and like thane her best friend is a second waiver he has privilege he comes from an incredibly wealthy family they had ships they had even in the beginning of the book they talk about how he has a simulator system and and like can so he can literally just learn to fly in his own house and like the only reason cyana gets to learn how to fly is because she gets to use his stuff because they're friends you know yeah and stuff and i find it interesting as the book goes on and she remains in the empire she remains loyal and thane doesn't is because thane has privilege he has the privilege of choosing his political views and the privilege of leaving and doing what he feels is right and she doesn't and i feel like it's so fascinating and i god i want to read through this and do it a third time <laughs> but uh yeah it's yeah i love that stuff yeah it's interesting because if you just i mean i, I feel like it, it goes that the route of, of highlighting that privilege instead of doing a more obvious route which is that she's the outsider so she's more likely to be the rebel um mm-hmm. no because she has way more to lose and she also you know has different values than he does um because of their their upbringing um yeah she even mentions at one point, like, without the Empire, what am I? Mm. Like, because because there's a point in the book where she's like, this is literally all I have. Thane's gone. You know, I, I, my parents, I don't know where they are. This is this is it. Like, if, what 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 am I supposed to do if I can't like fight for goodness like here? You know. And you have to imagine that there was nothing like this under the Republic. I mean, there was no standing army at all, let alone an, an enormous. Which seems force. silly to me. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> but... does. It seems completely unreasonable. There's no way there was no how how would they have maintained any order? I don't understand that. But with just a couple of Jedi, meh. Quagon doing it all by himself. Well, I mean, it's, if you think about it now, though, too, if you look at the real world, we don't have a standing world army. You're looking at the Senate as almost the United Nations. And United Nations... Well, countries I mean, themselves always have... Well, yeah, each planet point, has though. their own... Each planet has their own military. And the Jedi were almost the, the, the thread that held all that together. If you, you don't want to go to war, but at the same time, the, the concern was having that centralized government be in charge of everything like who's to say when to send out troops where and that's part of the reason the senate moves so slow to react to the trade federation blockade they don't have an army to send out so what can they do all they can do is try to send the peacekeepers yeah it, it's hard and, and you see that whole ar- argument and conversation happening again in bloodlines too with the whole two sides of the government yeah God, that book too i want to li- i want to listen to that again <laughs> so good um a couple other things that i've seen here uh i have a uh a screen rant article up about 15 reasons why the empire is actually good. Um, and one of them talks about how, uh, there was some art that was created under the empire. Um, there was some music, there was a, uh, Imperial symphony orchestra that toured mm-hmm. throughout all the core war worlds. Um, Headed by John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh my God. That needs to be a thing. Totally. Oh Yeah. 
Oh, that needs to be a thing. Oh, I thought you shirt. said that used to be a thing. Oh, I was no, like, it... is John Williams a Legends character? <laughs> He's serious. He should be. Some dark horse comic. He's like in the back, just. He's in the cantina, you know, just like yeah. getting his his set ready. He's you know yeah. he's after the cantina his band. set, getting ready to drop <laughs> his new album on the Hollow Net. Um, and then do you know about Weg Sphere? What a six v six game of low gravity soccer which nope. was originally a sport developed for the members of the Empire's Commission for the Preservation of the New Order, or Compnor, as, <laughs> as it's called. Um, Engage Compnor. It became so popular across <laughs> thousands... two credits to play. <laughs> it became so popular, it became the, uh, adopted as the Empire's official sport, apparently. Um, but is that worth okay. the destruction of Jetta City? Yes. Maybe. They might have been awesome <laughs> games. We don't know. People are all on Reality Kings, and they're like, <laughs> trading. <laughs> well, that's oh actually, well, you, that reminds me of, like, black market stuff. Um, the Empire didn't crack down too much on people doing their their kind of shady business. Um, they let the huts hut around. They employed bounty hunters on occasion, as we see in uh, Empire. Um, they did. So, you know, while we see kind of like business dudes or citizens doing their shiz on Outer Rim planet, planets kind of getting kicked to the curb, um, there wasn't like an enormous crackdown on that kind of thing. It doesn't seem like. I imagine even on a planet like Coruscant, having a police force is really difficult. Yeah. So I can imagine being a bounty hunter was probably good business. Well, I'd love to see a story about Coruscant under the the rule of the Empire, because you see in Clone Wars, there's at least the, you know the the Republic forces that were. In, do you remember that really short guy in the Clone Wars and he, his whole police group? They're all droids. Or am I crazy? Do you guys remember that? I mean, I'm like sure they're, trying to find a, they're trying to find Ahsoka and all that. Like, I wonder if that state remained intact under the empire or if that was all replaced by stormtroopers i mean i fig i figure it would but yeah maybe it was replaced by stormtroopers there could be like a, a hatred for droids after a certain point i mean they there are people that hate droids after the clone wars yeah i won't spoil all that but there's another argument that the empire uh advanced technology greatly as we see though through um yeah the death star yeah <laughs> And, but as we see through that and through, um, you know, Rogue One, obviously, and then some rebel stuff, a lot of this advancement of technology was done uh, against the will of the people who were working on them. Um, yeah, so that kind of negates it. It kind of negates it, yes. But, you know, there was stuff invented and created. They were, you know, machines of destruction, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But they gave us video games, guys. <laughs> there you there go. were already Hollow Net games. I'll have you know. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. They never really show. It's funny. They never really show games and stuff in the films, other than the the chess game that they show all the time. But like the other one that they mention all the time is Sabak, which is a card game, which I'm I, I like. It's described in multiple books and games. Yeah, there, there's rules for the game too. Yeah, I think you can. Yeah. You could probably literally buy Spock. I, I would. I would not. You can buy that chess game. I'm. I wouldn't doubt you could buy Spock. Yeah. But. So I have like kind of one question for you guys, and I feel like I've asked the same question before. So apologies, but when it comes to Palpatine himself, 
you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, Frank Underwood, where so much of it seems to be about the scheming and the gaming and the wanting to be in power. But do you think there is actually a part of him that believes he is doing some good in ordering the galaxy? In do you think he does have this political ambition to be a benevolent ruler, like somebody who that everybody loves through fear? But does he actually care about making the galaxy a better place? Or is it all kind of just a ruse to get into power and to keep power? I don't think Palpatine cares. I don't, I don't think he cares. He wants, to be, he wants to be in power. He, wants, he has the seat of power. He wants to keep it by any means possible. He's willing to toss aside Darth Vader for, you know, the next generation. I mean, this is a guy who helped him come to power. He's like, oh, well, I'll just take your son. It's fine. Bring me your son. Bring me your replacement. But what's the ultimate he... goal, though? For him? Because that's the I thing. Like, just... If he wants to live forever, like we've talked about before, mm-hmm. or if he wants to just have, like, be a super strong Jedi, making yourself a, the biggest target in the universe seems like a pretty risky strategy to achieve those but goals. But no one can get to him. He stays, like, Palpatine stays pretty lock, like, locked down yeah. uh, for the most part. There is a one, there's a one-issue comic where a guy tries to assassinate him. Well, have you guys yeah. read Lords of the Sith? No. no. It's a great book. It's uh, Vader and Palpatine. Their ship goes down. They're on Lothal. So it's, you know, Vader has to protect Palpatine. They're trying to get out of, you know, there's this rebel insurgency led by uh, a certain Twi'lek. And it's, it, it talk. I won't say who it is, but you'll, you'll, you can figure it out. Um, <laughs> but it, it talks about that there were... It's Wawanawanga uh, or whatever his name is. <laughs> who? <laughs> The guy in in, uh, in Return of the Jedi was like, but when I oh, no, are you kidding? That guy doesn't care. I'll give you that a hint. That guy doesn't care. That guy yeah, doesn't care. He's he so worried care. about keeping Jabba clean and stuff. Um, I don't know how he baits, but uh, it's a good story because it shows, <laughs> you know, Palpatine. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Simpsons joke. That is a story that we should see in a uh, standalone yeah. movie. Oh, 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 I wash myself with a it's rag on a stick. The Jabba stick. Gross. Uh, and it opens up with Salacious Crumb doing his <laughs> laugh. Um, but anyway, sorry, back to the book. It, it talks about Vader and uh, Palpatine and their relationship and, you know, that struggle for power. But this whole time, yeah, they're trying to kill Palpatine, but you have Vader protecting him. Like, Vader is not just a little threat. I mean, he's the strongest thing outside of Palpatine. And I think you can argue stronger than Palpatine in many ways. So if you're trying to destroy this one guy, it's not like you only have the Empire. You have this new Lord of the Sith who helped bring down the whole Republic and helped bring down the uh, the Jedi Order protecting Palpatine. I just find it so strange, though, because between the two of them two, if you take even Vader into it, like I'm not even sure of Vader's motivations during this whole Imperial rule. You know, I, I just don't, what, are the, what what motivates them to keep getting up every morning and doing all the actual hard work of running a galaxy? It just doesn't seem like something a bunch of evildoers would want to do. It seems well, imagine, like a lot of work. Well, imagining Palpatine getting out of bed and it's that one song that's like, the sun is shining in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, oh, short. I there ain't a cloud inside. <laughs> He's like brushing his teeth and combing his hair his yeah. three pieces of it's hair it's a beautiful new day and there's like people dressing him and randy newman's in the back with the piano yeah <laughs> um, well, eating the apple 
I wonder how much they really did of ruling because if you look at the end of the was it Re- Revenge of the Sith, yeah, the this new Galactic Empire's been set up, but all the way through Return of the Jedi, they're just still fighting to gain control over those last bits. Vader's still trying to find all these last Jedi. This rebellion has started up from the very beginning. I don't know how much full control they really had. I think a lot of it was reactionary to there are these cells, let's get rid of them first before we can move on to the next step. Right. I don't think they ever got to this next step, and I don't think we know what that was. Oh, okay. Because yeah, that's, that's, that, that satisfies me. I just feel like there has to have been a bigger objective to creating this empire, and one that they successfully turn into something that people get behind with all good intentions and, and, and help perpetrate and spread throughout the galaxy. I mean, he had to have thought through... If he had made it super, super evil, very transparently evil, it wouldn't have been successful. So I'm just curious as to why he he wanted to to achieve that. So maybe maybe we'll see some of that in the new Battlefront Two game, just mm. because we know Palpatine's dead. Yet there's this order being passed down past his death. Well, yeah. whatever this order is, why would he pass this on past his death if he's no longer in power? I some, like that. He has some sort of plan. I'm hoping we do find out though, because that's a good point all the way up through Return of the Jedi, we know he wants to be in control and in power, but what is his end goal? He's in control now. Right. Well, what's next? Right. Does anyone have anything else that they would like to mention before I think we move on to news? Because we have a ton of news. I got one thing. Yeah? The best thing about Star Wars is that it's all from a certain point of view. This is a point of view of the Rebels, a point of view of the civilians, a point of view of the Empire. And no matter what view you have, it's not necessarily wrong. There's this giant war, there's people killing and fighting each other. But you can align yourself with one side or the other, and there's still questionable acts being done on both sides. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the great things about Star Wars is that you kind of have a little bit of that ambiguity from both sides, from the good and the bad. That, yeah, the Rebellion's doing all this stuff to try to, you know, stop this corruption and all, this, all the killings. Yet they kill thousands of people on the Death Star. Like, yeah. is that really worth it? I mean, morality is a, a hard thing to deal with, but the the way that stars has been written, it lets us have these kinds of conversations. It's not just black and white. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I and I and I do want to give George Lucas credit because, I mean, obviously that's all we do every day. But um, specifically in terms of his analysis and kind of dissection of government and. You know, because this is something that can be argued, you know, and can be, you could draw corollaries to the last hundred years of, um, you know, democracy. And like I was saying, Palpatine's clearly modeled after a Hitler type figure. It, it prompts conversations that, you know, echo into the real world um, in terms of how you govern, how, how do you control people, how do you get people to fight for your side. Um, it's not, it doesn't seem, when you, we have these conversations, it doesn't seem like a galaxy far, far away. It seems like, you know, conversations we could be having about our, our institutions today. And I, and I think that's really impressive. Yeah. All right. Uh, if that's it, it's time for the news. If everyone's ready. Yep. Do it. All right. Let's, let's go. I have good news for you, my lord. Our first news story of this week and we got a lot of them coming up untitled han solo movie is now long no longer untitled it's titled it's called solo a star wars story and uh they also officially announced ron howard announced on twitter that they have officially wrapped filming now obviously they have to do a lot of 
editing and do all the special effects and everything, but pretty much filming is done. I don't know if they're doing reshoots. They're saying principled photography is complete. Um, I assume there will be reshoots because there almost always is, but they're, they're it's coming along. And, it, and, and it's amazing, and I know I bring this up every time I talk about this movie, how little drama there is once, <laughs> once the director change happened. Yeah. But I wonder if it was super smooth or if it's just that Ron Howard's so experienced on set that there wasn't got as much done. talking and leaking and, you know, whining. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's the story of this movie is going to be so interesting. Now, another thing that annoyed me, not about the movie specifically, but the reaction to the name annoyed the crap out of me. I don't know about you what guys. What were people expecting? That's what I said. <laughs> I was like, it's his name. Like, it's what do you what name. do you think the movie is going to be called? And I, Star Wars Explained did like five tweets in a row of all these. They're like, guys, what did you expect? It could have been worse. And they were always, and they were all stuff like, uh, Nerf Herders, a Star Wars story, and <laughs> and it was it was a bunch of like really dumb things, but it was funny. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's a great name. I did see a funny tweet from. Uh, Star Wars Underworld, uh, and it said uh, Solo. It had the, the logo, Solo, a Star Wars story, and then Han uh, yelling at Finn, did you just call me Solo? As we've seen in the film, he doesn't like being called Solo, so I kind of found that amusing. I'm like, that's actually a good point. <laughs> we yeah. have canonical reference to him not being like to be called Solo, but anyway. How, did you guys see the, the crew t-shirts? Yeah. Uh, I did not. I did not see these. They were just, they said, they had the solo logo and on the back it said, we shot first with like a little camera. That's nice. I like uh, that. That's dope. It's cute. That's really cool. People Can't are going to get that framed. It's going to be a collector's right. item one day. Yeah. I, You know, the more that time that goes on, the more excited I get about solo. I think it'll be good. I think people at this point, if they're not excited, they want to hate it. Almost. Well, it's just the internet for you. I'm just psyched. We're getting a Ron Howard Star Wars film. I'm freaking yeah. psyched. Yeah, I never thought that would happen. Right? Out of, out of any director. I mean, I figured we'd get Steven Spielberg first, if that. I feel like Spielberg will never touch Star Wars. Well, we, we, I don't think any of us ever thought Opie would have a chance to direct <laughs> Star Wars either. And, and I mean, that was out of, out of nowhere. It really, really was. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Brand new Battlefront 2 trailer, focusing on the single-player campaign this time and not just the whole package in general. Um, there was some interesting, cool stuff uh, that I noticed. There's some weird, like, super weapon stuff going on. Um, you get to see a couple of the planets, and there's some new dialogue and some other things, and it's pretty cool, and I will probably break it down more on our Visceral episode because we might... We might be doing a little test run thing on this Visceral episode, which I'll tell you guys about later. But th there's some cool stuff. You should go watch the trailer if you haven't. I'm pretty stoked to yeah. play this game. It's only a month away. That's crazy. Yep. Do we know, and this is an annoying question, um, but do we know how meaty this campaign is? That's me avoiding the word long, but do we know how long? Is it, gonna, is it like an actual full campaign? I mean, I'm sure it'll be eight hours. Okay. So, Six to eight hours is what I'd guess. So it's not just like a little flirtation. We're expecting a no. full story. Cool. We're expecting a full a full thing. Sweet. And I think that there are actually now, if you go look at some game sites, 
there are previews now for like the first three levels you can't see them but people have written about their time like they people have gone and played a, a good chunk of the game already so sweet you can go see that um and <laughs> alex you might, you're probably gonna have to enlighten us a little bit on this but the star wars news net i'm just gonna read it as the star wars news network story tells it and and we can argue about the headline in a minute but it says legends characters <laughs> tag and bank to appear in the han solo movie um, and then they wrote, Ron Howard's latest tease from the Han Solo set is perhaps his best one yet. At first glance, Howard's post on Twitter seems rather ordinary, but the added hashtag to it made many fans excited. The two main characters from the popular spoof comic, Tag and Bink, are about to become official Star Wars canon. See, that's we don't know that actually, but... Apart from the new character revelation, the tweet also confirms that Lawrence Kasdan's son, John, who co-wrote Han Solo with his father, will have a role in the movie. So, Alex, who are Tag and Bink? <laughs> so, Tag and Bink were some of the best characters that ever came out of the, uh, what was it, the Dark Horse comics that are Star Wars. They were, uh, it was a series of comics, it was uh, four issues, and then they also had a one-shot in the Star Wars Tales, which was a collection of stories that were not, they were never supposed to be considered part of canon, they were just wacky, silly stories. And uh, basically, any major thing that ever happened in Star Wars was because of these two guys. So it's the stories of their misadventures. Like they, they talk about Boba Fett falling into the Sarlacc pit and the fact that Boba Fett survived. Well, it's not Boba Fett. It's one of these guys actually dressed up as a suit. Like they're just ridiculous, silly, fun stories, but they were never supposed to be canon. They were never supposed to be taken serious. And all of a sudden we're getting two people and they tweet from Ron Howard with the hashtag of their name. So it's, it was interesting though, is that if you guys watched the Star Wars show that was released yesterday they talk about the tweet they start asking if tag and bink are actually going to be in it and then they kind of almost confirm that that's who they are going to be mm-hmm. it's really weird because the star wars show they, they uh on youtube they, they talk a lot of little things and they're silly at times or at others but then every now and then they'll break news of a uh, new star wars news and it was interesting for them to say that tag and bink are gonna be in han solo couldn't tell if they're serious or not but it'll be interesting to see if they bring these characters maybe not as silly as they are in the comics but they could be the uh the uh, the, the comedy aspect of yeah the, i mean the they film. could i mean star wars always does have a com- comedic relief in yeah. it yeah um and, 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 and yeah what fun. if they're like what if they're like undercover you know and 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 they're they're helping han do something and they're you know messing up all the time it's like i could see that happening well, so this it, movie is supposed to be a little more comedic than normal well, and you know the uh, the two from Pirates of the Caribbean, the two pirates, the one that had the uh, the wooden eye, and the other guy. I feel like they're they're gonna play that kind of role where they're just they're there on the sidelines, and sometimes they do things here and there that affect the larger story, but they're they're there for the comedic relief. Kind of like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of these yes. two dudes. Yeah. Honestly, that's who the characters are kind of based off of. You you read them and it's like, oh shoot, they caused everything, but inadvertently. <laughs> they caused everything. They caused everything. They're 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 fun. If you have a chance, read the comics. You can find them. They're not too hard, but uh, they're they're a lot of fun. Cool. Well, either way, that's exciting, and I'm glad yes. that Han Solo production seems to be going well. And for our next news story, J.J. Abrams says that Episode Nine will quote go elsewhere with the franchise, and the prequels will be referenced in Episode Nine. So he did an interview with BBC along Michael Giacchino, 
uh, on a recent segment of their radio program. This is from Star Wars News Network, by the way, which is pretty much where I get all the news for the most <laughs> part because they just have everything. Thank you, Star Wars News Net. You make this show work. <laughs> and it's uh, in it, Abrams voluntarily brought up his new approach for Episode Nine is going to be different compared to his approach with The Force Awakens. So uh, the interviewer at the BBC said, both of these series that you're involved with, Star Trek and Star Wars, they change people's lives, don't they? Little boys, little girls end up saying, that's what I want to do, that's where I want to be. And then J.J. Abrams followed up with, which I didn't know his name is Jeffrey Jacob Abrams. Wow. News. Yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, uh, he says, well, it's certainly something that I'm aware of now working on episode nine. Coming back into this world after having done episode seven, I feel like we need to approach this with the same excitement we had when we were kids, loving what these movies were. And at the same time, we have to take them places that they haven't gone. And that's sort of our responsibility. It's a strange thing. Michael's worked on things like Planet of the Apes and Star Trek and Star Wars. And these are the things of dreams, yet we can't just revel in that. We have to go elsewhere. And so he he goes on to talk about some other things in there and that they'll reference the prequels. That's interesting if they're specifically referencing the prequels. I wonder what they're going to be referencing. Yeah, I'm trying to think what lessons from that story would have resonance. There, there was a man named Quagon Jin. Huh. <laughs> like, what? That'd be great, actually. Well, Let's do that. I mean, maybe if we're if we're dealing with kind of restoring a Jedi Order, that could be some something that we could we could reference um, what what has come before, what didn't work, and maybe our some of our old Jedi peeps could come back around. I don't know. I just like the fact that JJ seems to be already in full cognition about this. The wheels are turning and stuff's in motion, and I like that. I do hope that that in the future we get a movie. Uh, a live-action Star Wars movie directed by Dave Filoni. I would really, really like that. That would be interesting, but at the same time, he's he's so focused on animation. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen, but, I mean, the way that he tells story and the fact, the, the way he's so ingrained with the storytelling group, too, yeah. he's almost become the new Lucas and, and he is, side. Yeah, and he is sort of the pupil of George Lucas, so yeah. I feel like he has such a great understanding of the property. How about a standalone uh, f- a film with about Ahsoka? Sure, it I would have to be. I think it would yeah. have to be animated. Honestly, why? I think they could do live action, but I think you, you, I don't know. There needs to be the connection between the, the the cartoon version can't seem too different from the live action, especially right. with the way the the voice and the mannerisms. If you do that, it doesn't feel like the same character anymore. But at this point, I feel like her whole story's been told. What? What about the whole period between the Clone Wars and and Rebels? They. That's what the book. That's is. what the book is. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I got a lot of that from the book. Is it the whole thing? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> they, they, there's a lot of there's uh, flashbacks during it. So what you don't, what you're not reading as a current, like currently happening, you've seen what's happened before. Well, then JK. Yeah. yeah. So you get a little bit of allusion to what what would have been her doing stuff in like season seven and all that, and then right. you pretty much get you pretty much get what was happening. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, Laura Dern, <laughs> who is playing. Uh, Amelyn Holdo, uh, Admiral Amelyn Holdo, who, by the way, makes an appearance as a teenager in the uh, Leia Princess of Alderaan book, which I recommend cool. reading. It was oh, good. Nice. And every time she shows up, her hair color is different, which I thought was really funny. Like Love Sabine. it. Yeah, like literally every scene she shows up in, her hair color is different. <laughs> and they, they talk a little bit about her character, too. Like uh, 
one of the things she meant, they ask her, like, why she's so, like, she's a little out there, like, a little, uh, like, eccentric, I'll say. And they ask her why she's so eccentric and, like, what what's with the hair color and all that stuff. And it's because apparently the planet she comes from, like, everyone just wears gray and it's super boring and she doesn't oh. feel like she's expressing herself so she try she goes out of her way to like express herself by wearing you know crazy clothes and like dyeing her hair like every 20 minutes and, <laughs> and stuff like that so uh, she's a she's an interesting character i found her very amusing even though she's not in the book too much but i'm excited to see her in the last jedi see her as an older person but speaking of this new story there was a new photo of her speaking at kind of what looks like a meeting of the resistance there's like a bunch of resistance pilots even some of the ones from last jedi the ones that we've seen are in the background like that one alien guy yeah he's in the background there um a bunch of other people and uh yeah i'm i'm excited to learn more about her yeah she looks awesome in this in this still i'm they just love the hair love everything also another uh bb unit in the background 2BB2, apparently, is what it's called. You can already find his Funko at ToysRS.com. Are you yep. serious? Oh, yeah. They, it came out Force Friday. <laughs> Look at that. Gosh, they're on top of it. People dissect this stuff super quick, and I'm glad they do, because I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time <laughs> to be, like, analyzing the, the backgrounds of stuff, but yeah. Um, I'm excited to learn more about, you know, her and Leia's relationship through the years, because obviously we don't see Laura Dern's character in the original trilogy, which means she was off doing something else. I got a random question. Yeah. Is this the first time we've seen someone in Star Wars with colored hair? No, we have Sabine. No, but like in the movies. Like Sabine, oh. I know she colors her, but like... Um, probably. <sighs> yeah. Probably. Hmm. I, don't, I can't think of... I can't think of anyone. Yeah. It no. just... I don't know why that popped into my head. And it's specifically interesting, too, because it's not her natural hair color. Because mm-hmm. I imagine if you had seen someone in New Hope who had like green hair, you would just think there's some alien who has green hair. Right. Whereas this character specifically dyes her hair different colors. Yeah. Um, but the only pictures we've seen of her in Last Jedi is purple. So, but in the book, she like shifts between purple and green and red and like all these different colors every time she shows up. But yeah, I, I'm. Man, that movie. It's how how far away are we? 50 oh, days thanks star wars news network again <laughs> 55 days oh my gosh yeah, they that's have like a little counter so soon i know so soon it's gonna you guys c- gotta figure out your way down here we got we have tickets i'm driving showings. i told you i'm driving we'll start driving it's only gonna take me like eight hours to get there we can celebrate for 55 days there's enough star wars stuff 55 yeah just not go to work not make any money just don't go to work just you know what you can tell them that you're going on site to the longest star wars celebration for 50 days there you go yeah um all right next new story new one-shot comic featuring benicio del toro's dj from the last jedi coming in january which i believe we had we were trying to figure out like are they gonna are they gonna like you know stomp out my ezra theory like before i've even got there but nope maybe not (laughs) so the description's very vague too yeah so um they're doing a one-shot, I believe it's an annual. So every year they do these big one-shot issues that are like 40 pages, the uh, Star Wars issues, and they're called the annual issues. Like one of uh, the one last year was the Cassian Andor K2SO1, 
and then the one before that was the C-3PO red arm one, and then the one before that was the uh, guy who tries to assassinate Palpatine, which is the one I have. I only have that one, but it's really good. Yeah. This one is pretty much literally going to be all about his character called Star Wars The Last Jedi DJ, uh, and this is the description. It says, when Star Wars The Last Jedi takes theaters in force, and then in parentheses it says, get it? I'm like, Marvel, God, just stop. <laughs> this December, Star Wars fans will get a peek into some new dark corners of the galaxy far, far away. And out of one of those corners scuttles DJ, the mysterious character played by Benicio Del Toro. Who is this mystery man and what put him in the path of our resistance heroes? Join Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Is that really <laughs> Yep. Uh, and Kev Walker, who worked on uh, who works on Doctor Afra and a comic called Dark Hawk, uh, as they reveal a day in DJ's life just before his appearance in the film. So, so he's gotta be someone we know. That's what he, I'm saying. He he's gotta to be. be Ezra. There's I, I, there's no way he's not somebody we know, or else they would give us details. Why keep a brand new character secret? That makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. He's, he's going to be like, I was the kid in Empire, you see in the back or something. <laughs> like, it's, it, I don't know. They gave Ezra? a one shot. They gave a one shot to, to C-3PO's one red arm. I mean, they're I willing to go, you know, really randomly obscure. But, like, just his, I mean, we compare it to Laura Dern's character who has a name and a title. Like, DJ, I don't even think is this guy's name. Like, I don't even, I think that's a code name. I think his name is Ezra Bridger, but that's just me wanting it so bad. I can't. Well, well S- Snoke and DJ can't both be Ezra, so someone <laughs> has to be wrong, guys. <laughs> yeah. I want to float this idea by you because I was talking to a friend of the show, Cam, who's tweeting me about something because I was tweeting about how I don't like the idea of Luke uh, going dark. I think it's a bet- it would be a betrayal of his character, and there's all these people like theorizing about it and stuff. And uh, he had met. He had mentioned some theory that uh, people were talking about. There's the the Snoke healing theory. Have you seen this? Yeah. I, um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like the idea that Snoke is like a force vampire, <laughs> almost. I'm like, that's kind of cool. I I think that's a cool idea. But I I think so too. The hard part, my biggest issue right now, especially with fan theories, is that there's nothing. To there's literally nothing to go on. Yeah. So people are pulling things from anywhere and they're like oh this is canon yeah we're gonna recite this source like no snoke is so new all his all we know is his name is snoke and he wears white clothing under his gold robe that's all we know and that he leads the first order for and that he leads the first order like you i mean it's i theories are fun to do but i think people need to be careful with the way that they present their theories especially i had on a dream YouTube. about snoke the other night i don't was, know if you tell you it. to fulfill your destiny so I haven't seen the trailer, so I don't know if he's in it. Don't tell me if he's in it. I don't know anything about him besides, you know. Oh, well, then that. you wouldn't have got that reference. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> but he was in my dream, and he was, like, kind of just walking around like a normal dude. He was dude. like, watch the trailer. <laughs> he was, like, kind of a normal guy, but just, he kind of looked like, like, because I don't, I don't know. I didn't even see the Lego figure, so I don't know, like what he looks like besides giant projection snoke but like he was kind of younger and like kind of sexy uh but that's just my brain sorry i'm not sure that was a story that maybe he is shared. a vampire i don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right but no, go, uh, were you gonna say something else i'm sorry i was gonna say but i, I just 
in summary, I really want Benicio del Toro to be Ezra, and I think he looks I, exactly like him. And I don't know why he wouldn't be. And they're this—they're like similar ages for the time. It makes it's perfect. Sense. I'm telling you, he's gonna try walking away, and then Luke's gonna say Ezra, and he's gonna stop. <laughs> he's gonna be like, "Why don't I, you call me that?" Oh, yeah. I got or, chills when you said that. I got chills. <laughs> DJ is Han Solo's long lost son. Yeah, but mm. just like a Snoke theory, I'm pulling that out my butt. Darth Jack. Yeah, oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen that theory, like he's Darth something or whatever. Darth That's why Jabroni. Or whatever. Next, th- so we're going to gloss over this news story, and it's not because we don't have a ton of stuff to say about it. There is a special going up this week that we recorded on Saturday. All about this, and it's going to be a little experiment that I'm going to run, and we'll see if people like it. I want to get people's feedback on it, but... We're going to do an entire special episode about this next news story. So we're going to briefly kind of just go over it and give it like a quick opinion, but we're not going to delve super deep into what it means because I want to save a lot of that for the episode. And I don't know that Alex will have much to say about this one anyway, but I have a Wii, so exactly. Yeah, (laughs) he has a, he has a Wii. So anyway, EA shuts down visceral games the new star wars game moves to a new studio so (sighs) get it out now get your tears out now here real quick this is what ea said our visceral studio has been developing an action adventure title set in the star wars universe in its current form it was shaping up to be a story-based linear adventure game Throughout the development process, we have been testing the game's concept with players, listening to the feedback about what and how they want to play, and closely tracking fundamental shifts in the marketplace. It has become clear that to deliver an experience that players will want to come back to and enjoy for a long time to come, we need to pivot the design. We will maintain the stunning visuals, authenticity in the Star Wars universe, and focus on bringing a Star Wars story to life. Importantly, we are shifting the game to be a broader experience that allows for more variety and player agency, leaning into the capabilities of our Frostbite engine and reimagining central elements of the game to give players a Star Wars adventure of greater depth and breadth to explore. So what people have been thinking this means is we're not getting Star Wars Uncharted anymore, we're getting Star Wars Destiny. And as a Destiny and Uncharted fan... I'm probably, I'll probably get some hate for saying this. I'm pretty much just as excited about the idea of Star Wars Destiny as I was about Star Wars Uncharted. Now, I'm not happy people are losing their jobs. My significant other is a game developer, and most of my friends up here are now are game developers. So I understand that this is, this is tough, you know. And I imagine this decision wasn't made lightly. So get that it'll make that clear but kotaku um, had some details and this is part of their article about it it says it's safe to presume that the new incarnation of this star wars game will involve quote games as a service elements which for those of you who are not super familiar with games it's more like a game that you don't pick up play beat and put down it's like a game that you would play over the course of time and maybe they release more content and like those are DLC and expansion packs, so they're microtransactions, like new skins and things like that, um, which has been EA's mandate for quite some time now. EA was not clear about the status of longtime Uncharted director Amy Henning, 
who joined Visceral to direct this Star Wars game after she left Naughty Dog in early 2015. In an email, an EA spokesperson said, quote, we are in discussions with Amy about her next move. And then Kotaku gets another email where they go even deeper into what's going on with the development. It says, a development team from across worldwide studios, which is their code for all of the studios they own or operate worldwide, will take over development of Ragtag, which is the code name for this project. Led by the EA Vancouver team that has already been working on the project, Steve Anthony will lead this team, and we will use much of the work that has been done to date by Visceral. The assets of Ragtag that have already been built will be the foundation of this new game. So, game in its current form is canceled, but not really. It's pivoting to a new game entirely that is most likely going to be from what it sounds like and there's not really a confirmation of this but it from the wording it sounds like it's going to be something akin to star wars destiny not the card game destiny as in the shooter it will be so similar to that an rpg that you can co-op through or something along those lines and that it will no longer be this regular single player experience i don't think this means that you're not getting a story which is what everyone's all annoyed about like they're not going to be able to play i guarantee you that you will get it because it's a star wars game you can't guarantee that i guarantee you're it wrong. i guarantee i think it. you're wrong all right my turn i'm not happy about this news i'm not like mad about this news there's just a couple lines in the statement from ea that i don't like one of the main ones being like taking a look at the marketplace it was that's ridiculous i mean this you're talking about rebooting a game from pretty much from the ground up yeah you have assets but this sounds like a completely different direction if you're talking about something that's like a mmo it, that's going to be a completely different game um and you don't know what the market's going to look like when you're done with this game. The market for that game is three years from now when you're maybe, maybe you finish it three years from now. True, but it, I, I don't think it will take three years if I'm being honest. They are they even claim in here that all pretty much, here's the thing, this game that they were making, they've been making it for like three and a half years. Right. Three and a half years. That's millions of dollars. And they had nothing to show for it. Like they showed the five seconds of that guy walking outside. They had showed some concept art, and that's literally it. It sounds like the project, and from their statement where they were saying, oh, we had people come in and play it, and we kept pivoting the design, it sounds like what they were making was becoming kind of a mess. And their statement does actually make sense. When you look at the marketplace, especially with a company like EA, it's not cheap running a giant flagship like EA. They need to make money, and their shareholders like that they have games that have, you know, longer lasting elements in it. Yeah, I know. And get so it. financially and so, it makes sense. That all yeah. makes sense. All that, that all that's cool. I'm just disappointed. I mean, this is the second time I've had my heart broken. <laughs> I had Star Wars thirteen thirteen I never got. Yeah. And now the uncharted Amy Hedig Star Wars game I'm not gonna get. And I I think you and I differ, Josh. My favorite type of games are the Uncharted's, The Last of Us, the ones that you could sit down and feel like you are a participant in a beautiful film. Um, those are my types of games, and I thought that I was going to get that here. And I don't know why. To me, the excitement over this wasn't, oh, I'm getting a Star Wars game, because I have Star Wars games. Like, I, ha I mean, Battlefront is a comeback again and again kind of game. Like, it doesn't sound like pivots that we've seen in games like Uncharted where the story wasn't working. You know, I, if if what wasn't working, was it the gameplay? Was it the story? It sounds to like me, it was the game itself wasn't working. And 
But that's I, silly. I don't like that. That, that. that sounds like a financial decision. That sounds like a business decision. And I'm just disappointed. I mean, it because is a it, business decision. I mean, but I, that's that's disappointing because that's now taking something that a lot of people have put creative love into, and that's that's not like I said. You could call it a pivot, but that's like that's that idea is dead now. Sure, they've killed that creative but it, idea. But to me, they spent three and a half years. They spent millions of dollars trying to make this game, and they just weren't getting it. And they were probably like, you know, we need to cut our losses and we need to just make something else. Like this is just not, it's not working and people are not connecting with this in the same way. I'm going to stand by this. I think you are still going to get a campaign because games like Destiny and The Division, they have campaigns. They have yeah, stories. No, but nobody liked the first Destiny campaign. Yeah, but... Yeah, but we're talking about like nobody uh, liked the the division campaign. It was the, fine. The campaign on these games, but are the always, Destiny Two campaign's great. The campaigns on these games are usually just tossed on to try and pacify people like me who want to run around and not have to deal with other people because people suck, and it's always an afterthought. And I was just, you know, I, this is a personal thing. It's just that the reasoning behind it. I would almost prefer creative differences rather than the the way of the market. Like, when I hear something like that, I hear a bunch of artists just heartbreaking. Well, it's probably heartbreaking because they thought maybe they would have more time. But, I mean, you just don't get that kind of stuff with a company like EA. There is a bottom yeah, line. And, and if you spend three and a half years and you have nothing. Poor Amy. I, that's something, I know. I, but here's the thing. Amy might still be might still be working on the game. You have no idea. Like, the new vision that they draw up, she could be totally into we have That's no fair. idea so That's fair. That's we'll fair. see it's early but and we'll get way deeper into this because i have been talking <laughs> about this for the last two days in depth with people and i'm just sad i get it i'm sad I too i wanted uh, i wanted uh, star wars uncharted also did. not gonna lie but i'm not opposed to star wars destiny either to me and i know you you love single player games back in i like single player games too but Personally, my favorite thing about video games is sharing them and experiencing them with other people. And so games like Destiny that are excuses for me to hang out with my friends and they're excuses for me to accomplish, even if they're telling me a story or not telling me a story, accomplish cool things with my friends are what excite me specifically. All right, Josh, just keep but, bragging about how many friends you have. Like, that's really what's happening. I don't have any friends. All, anyway. All six of them. <laughs> <laughs> yep, all six. Uh, this is this is pivoting way off the thing because we got to get away from it, we and we're going to have a whole probably three-hour special about this. New adventure for Star Tours this fall, and it's based on The Last Jedi. Oh, my God. So from the Disney Parks blog, thanks for uh, finding this, Alex, by the way. Oh, yeah. I totally missed it. Earlier this year, we told you about a thrilling new adventure coming to Star Tours. The adventures continue at Disneyland Park and Disney's Hollow Hollywood, I almost said Halloween, Hollywood Studios that will place guests in the middle of an epic battle. The action takes place on the planet Crate, which we got our first glimpse of in the teaser trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi earlier this year. Today, we're pleased to share that this exciting new sequence inspired by the latest film in the Star Wars saga will debut at Disneyland Park and Disneyland's Hollywood Studios on November 17th at uh, Disney Paris on November 22nd and as previously announced, Tokyo Disneyland on December 15th. So, obviously there probably won't be any like spoilers or anything in it, but 
that's cool. I'm excited that like almost every episode that comes out, we're just going to get a new like Star yeah. Tours thing. That's super which fun. Which is pretty cool. I'm yeah. curious to see if they're going to do what they do with The Force Awakens and lock whatever new scene I would, for everybody. I would assume that, yes, they will lock it the makes last sense. Jedi one It makes in. sense to do it. I mean, everybody is in line to experience that, and I think people would feel a little cheated if they didn't yeah. get to experience I, it. I would be mad if, if I waited in line even with fast passes for an, for an hour and didn't get to see the new thing that yeah. I wanted to see, even you know? worse, so. if you did it, like, two or three times and you still didn't get it. Exactly. Be, yeah. It's like loot boxes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> do not. Oh, there's some, there's some bitter feelings that. right there. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I feel like someone lost some money. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That is it for the news. We have silence. It, I feel like, you know, people are always like, wow, you do a Star Wars podcast. You must not have a lot to talk about. And here we <laughs> are. And now we're in 40 minutes and it's only. Uh, There's too much happening every day. There's I know. There's so much going on. We could do this every week, but I don't feel like I could pull it off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I have other stuff to do. Yeah. Like dinner. I see how it is. You're not dedicated. No. Hey, I have a whole other Star Wars life outside of this podcast. I got to keep I know. Oh, so... there's Star Wars life. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sitting at a desk surrounded by four Mandalorian helmets, five custom comics, a Star Wars patch, and nine Star Wars prints. So, Wow. Oh, and I'm sitting on a Star Wars pillow. So, like, this is life. I actually am wearing a Star Wars shirt right now. Oh, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing normal clothes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I wear a Star Wars backpack every day. Oh, nice. So oh, it's fine. I got a cool. A friend gave me a Star Wars. Well, just because you guys were bragging. I, I, <laughs> I got a cool Star Wars um, globey thing where it's like the constellations mm. and it's like all the planets and stuff. Oh, nice. That's I'm, cool. I'm, I'm missing a. It's, I always love getting these things because you look on the box and it's like for ages. Four through ten. And I'm like, whatever. You're like, multiply those numbers and we're in business. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, says you. Uh, if that's it, we can go on to Creature of the Week. Woo! Ooh, job, they want no wonder. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> Creature of the Week this week. The Crate Dragon. Crate dragons were large, carnivorous reptiles that hailed from Tatooine, a desert planet in the Outer Rim region of the galaxy. They came in two subspecies and despite their fierceness were hunted for the precious pearls found in their bodies. And we see a, uh, this is a fun fact you pointed out, Alex, we see a crate dragon skeleton in A New Hope, and you had mentioned that that skeleton is actually a prop from a previous Disney movie. Yeah, and, and uh, 1975, the Disney movie, one of our dinosaurs is missing. The uh, the skeleton of the dinosaur was brought to Tunisia, and they used it to decorate the set. So that whole dragon was actually left there after the movie was filmed. So there are treasure hunters that try to locate where it was and look for bits of foam and plastic. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Um, we, uh, I thought of Crate Dragon for the Creature of the Week this week because it's mentioned quite a bit in, um, from a certain point of view. Um, they talk about, uh, one of the Jawas stories, he talks about how he found, his family actually found a, uh, a skeleton of an old Crate Dragon, and it's Crate spelled K-R-A-Y-T, if anyone's yeah, curious. not like the planet in the upcoming, uh, 
Last Jedi, which is spelled with a C. I don't know if we see any alive. They're clearly meant to be kind of like an older, you know, dinosaur-esque type creature. Do we see any alive ever? Uh, I maybe we see some in Clone Wars. I know that they're in the uh, on the, the Republic game. There's a game, picture right? of one, but I, it, it's like concept art. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I don't know that we've ever... Oh, here we go. Made their first appearance in Knights of the Old Republic. There you go. There it is. Oh, yeah, because you fight one. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it seems like only in Legends, because I'm looking at appearances, and a lot of them are like, mention only, mention only, skeleton only, skeleton only, call, mentioned only, <laughs> uh, indirect mention only. <laughs> so, like... Although, apparently in Star Wars Adventures, Ashcan appears in flashbacks. It's an it's, it's an IDW... Oh, Star Wars Adventures. So, it's it's a children's comics or whatever. But they don't have a picture. I just wanted to see it. It's anyway. funny because there's a different... There, the legends um, of Krayt Dragons, there's a lot more. Oh, yeah. Um, there's different types of Krayt Dragons, and there's these stories about... Um, you know, there's Obi-Wan and, and Luke in, interacted with them. So, but that's all legendsy stuff. Yeah. Um, the first time you do see one, like the very first piece of artwork was actually from uh, Ralph McQuarrie during the concept art. And if you look it up, it's uh, one of the dragons and there's a couple of Tuscan Raiders right in front, either getting ready to fight or run away. Now, is this like a dragon that like flies dragon? No, just think of it as a giant lizard. But like, but they have wings. Lizard. At least it, I think the one you fight in Kotor had wings. Some of them. One, it's it's hard, especially when you get into the video games and the expanded universe. Everyone liked to design monsters their own way, so you'd yeah. have some with six legs, some with four legs, some with like a spiked tail. I mean, it, it there's so many variations based off of what the designers wanted, and that's part of the hard, one of the hard parts about keeping all that expanded universe stuff in order is that everyone did it their own way. So there was there wasn't enough consistency to continue on with that. Mm. Yeah, I I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday about how legends they just didn't. It was like George may have had final say, but they didn't really keep consistency. So so the expanded universe in its own weird way was almost never canon. Yeah, but, it was. I mean, there's, and there was just so much to try to make work after a while when you had all these comics kind of doing their own thing. Uh, the starter group wasn't. I don't honestly don't even know if the starter group was. I don't like, think they created. Existed. They didn't exist, right? So to keep track of what these people were writing, you know, it's it. Do they kind of just let them do what they want to do up to a certain point, of course? But uh, no one was there to say, "Hey, this is canon. Hey, this didn't actually happen. Hey, this is just a fun little story." It was kind of a free for all. Yeah, but crate dragons are fun. That's that's it. That's our show, Ooh. except for. We have one last thing. We're engaging the spoiler tag about now. So thanks for listening to this episode of Long Time Ago Radio. And if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email us at podcast at canontimeline.com. And if you'd like to follow me at Twitter, you can do so by looking up the Jawa Josh. And everyone else, real quick, where can they find you? I'm at Rebecca June Lane. And our official Twitter is at LTA underscore radio. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Depper underscore Fett, and our Facebook page is facebook.com slash long time ago radio. Go check it out. Now, it's time for our little 
uh, Rebels spoiler segment. We're going to chill and talk about all about Heroes of Mandalore, the first two-parter for Rebels Season 4. So if you don't want to get spoiled, uh, bye. We'll see bye. you guys. <laughs> and uh, I'll give you a little bit of time here, a little bit of time to get away. And, yep. uh, you know, turn off your iPod, turn yeah. off your car, get a snack. If you're not gone by now, You've made you a know, mistake. Darth then, Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Yep. Sabine's mom died. <laughs> she didn't, though. Snoke is Ezra. Something like that. Something anyway, like how that. did we all feel? <laughs> well, we could start there since you already mentioned it. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I agree with you. You mentioned it before the show. I would have liked someone to die, either her brother or yeah. her mother, in that explosion. It kind of, the end of the first one was so dramatic and beautiful. And I was like, yes, darkness. Because as I've said many times on the show, I love it when Star Wars gets dark. Um, but then they were like, the two that survived. Yeah, they're like, oh, your warning helped us get away. And I was like, no. No. It's like it, it takes away a lot of the weight mm-hmm. from the situation. Like her choice to use the machine or like destroy it and stuff. All that stuff is made way more impactful if her mother... Die. Because died. imagine this scenario. Imagine her mother and brother are evaporated. And then her new goal becomes not to destroy the machine, but to take it and use it against the Empire as a means right? of revenge. And then imagine Bo-Katan, ta- which, by the way, <laughs> yeah, Bo-Katan's back. That I gotta bleep awesome. that out. But <laughs> how awesome is Bo-Katan? Just, I love her so much. How much more impactful would her whole thing about you know destroying it and all that like would have been way better at the end mm-hmm. is it something that's almost too dark because it would it's her thing that she created her weapon you know c- killing no. her mom that's like something that's movie worthy i don't know if we've had anything that dark in a well, animated series think about this too the fact that sabine gave Bokatan the dark saber the same saber that Darth Maul used to kill Bo-Katan's sister to now lead Mandalore. Like, that alone is dark. I, yeah. Like, do we know if Bo-Katan knows this? I was going to say, that's, just, that's not said, so. Yeah, it, so it's like. I'm sure she's aware. It's just, like, it, they could have gone that dark. We've seen dark stuff in the Clone Wars. They could have well, They could have done it. Well, she watches him kill Pre Vizsla with it. Yeah. I- just, and then she's and then she rejects his leadership, and that's why they defect or whatever. But that, yeah, I, I, that's interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that aside, I, 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 you know, I like the whole uh, story um, of you know her past weapons work coming back again. I think that's that's fertile ground. I was going to ask. I think we mentioned it earlier. Is there any books or anything that covers her time when she was briefly working and and making stuff for the Empire? Um, not currently, no. Because that's um, interesting. I would, I'd be interested to hear how she... Yeah, and, and at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I, that's the one criticism I have of the episode, and I even talked to my coworker, Mike, today, because I was like, you watch Rebels, right? And we were both like, yeah, they should have died. Like, it... <laughs> and Alex, you know me. I'm, I'm the guy who's always like, I wish characters' endings in Star Wars weren't always them getting murdered, you know? <laughs> but, like, this felt right. Well, like, like at a certain point, you, certain characters need to end, and if you keep everyone alive, you leave open-ended threads. For sure. And I, I agree with that, and I'm glad, like, 
Yoda dies peacefully on screen. I think he's the only character who dies peacefully on screen. But uh, the o the other character we know of dying peacefully is is Mon Mothma. She dies of old age, mm -hmm. like between Episode six and and uh, Bloodlines, and we know that for sure. And I'm glad that someone went out peacefully. <laughs> and, and, and you know, and I think that's a good ending for yeah, Mon Mothma. Yeah. Like she achieved her life's goal, you know, and. And she went on to lead and and help the republic rebuild itself. And then I hope when we, we the do public that had you. rebuilt itself. She went out symbolically of her old age, and that's like really nice and poetic. But man, like it, it just I felt like as as cool as Sabine's mom is, her brother's whatever he's kind of just there. But like as cool as Sabine's mom is, she her death would have been a great catalyst for her story arc, and it just felt like missed opportunity. They felt like they did it and then maybe weren't happy and changed it, like, last minute. Yeah. I don't know. It would have added a, a nice weight to the next episode or to, like, the, sh the show continuing the yeah. fact that she finally, you know, reconnected with her family and she loses them because of something she created. Yeah. What's funny, too, is we all saw that first episode at Celebration, and for months I just assumed, like, oh, yeah, she's dead. And so... And, like, we even almost spoiled it on multiple occasions to you, Alex, because you were the only one who didn't get to watch it. Yeah, I was uh, going. I was with the 501st for taking our group picture, and then I was like, oh, I wonder what they're saying. They're, that, that panel's taking a lot longer than what they posted. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are seeing the episode. Yeah. The, which was a surprise to us. They're just like, you want to watch it? And of course, everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> nah, it's okay. Let's just go. No, nah, we're good. Nah, this we're was good. good. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, for months I'm just like, yeah, that's really powerful. And her mom dies, and then it got, and then, and then they walked from behind the rock, and both Nicole and I went, oh my god, like, it just took a, it took a lot of the emotional weight out of the episode. Sure. If I'm being frank, it yeah. would have been nice that the shoulder pad that Sabine picked up would have been her brother's. Because right. if you notice, her, her brother's has that kind of artwork on it now. It would have been cool if she picked it up, and it's that piece of art, and you see that shot, and it just kind of crumbles and fades away. There yeah. is there is an idea that like if she is responsible for her mother and her brother dying in that moment, I'm not sure she goes on. I think she just sits there holding the disintegrating armor pieces and does not get up. Like I'm not sure. I, I get the revenge thing, but you know that's a pretty intense uh, thing to have happened. Uh, I feel like she tried to go get some vengeance. I I did have another issue with this episode. It's really small, but one thing that bugged me was the fact that. Sabine, she hasn't been trained a lot, but she's had some training with the Darksaber, yet she uses it only once during the, the rescue attempt of her father. Like, when she's rescuing her No, she her uses father. it in the bat... She uses it... Oh, in the first episode? Because over the episode. course of the two episodes, she uses it a couple times. Oh, no, like, she uses it to destroy the generator or the, the power source, but, like, when she's going to rescue her father. Like, she totally could have used that Darksaber to disable some of those ships. And she uses it only once. I felt like it became more of a prop versus like an actual weapon, which I kind of get is the symbolism, but that, that kind of bugged me. The fact that a Mandalorian who's trained in battle would not use a weapon in her hand. That's legit. Aside from that, these things, I really enjoyed the episode a lot. I really liked the kind of weird, awkward scene between Hera and Kanan at the beginning. Where oh, that was they, like, sweet. They kind of like flirt a yeah. little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I think Chopper says... He says something, but I interpret it as get a room already. Yeah, he's like, mm, get a room. yeah, that was that was nice. That was nice. And we're <laughs> no, finally he's... seeing that side of their their story, which is I'm hoping we get yeah. more. Totally, it was super cute though. Yeah. I rewatched 
season one, and she used to call him love all mm-hmm. the time. She still has on occasion, I feel. I think in, like, some of the later seasons, she has bu- busted that out also. Yeah. But, yeah, like, that's why I always got the impression that they were in a relationship, because she called him love. Like, that's not a it's not a thing you just call somebody in, <laughs> in my book. Unless you're, like, British or something, but... Yeah. Hello, love! <laughs> like, I don't... I, well, she's not... <laughs> I thought that was cute. I thought Chopper was really cheeky. He had a couple cheeky moments. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was it was fun. It was uh, epic. I'm glad to see... I don't know how you guys feel about this. I never felt like Ezra and Sabine had any um, chemistry Oh no. at all. And I'm glad they're kind of abandoning that because when he goes to comfort her, I really felt like it was a friend comforting a friend and not him like trying to get at her or whatever. Yeah. And and I appreciate that because I know they kind of set that up in the first season, but it just doesn't work for not, me. Not every like, story has to have a love story between a guy. And yeah, I, and as much and you know me, Alex, I love a good love uh, story. You guys <laughs> but, and your lost stars and woo! your your but yeah, but uh, you know it just yeah it just never clicked. It never clicked with me. Yeah, Hera and Kanan, that clicks hard, and that needs to happen soon. <laughs> that clicks hard. No, <laughs> I will say, uh, just uh, talk about Ezra real quick. Like, I, I, I just, I like, I like when shows when people grow up, and it's clearly been Ezra's clearly older than he was, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, he started as a character who I wasn't super fond of, but now his his antics I find quite endearing. Um, I'm trying to think of what else happened in this episode. We got uh, the uh, I think it was Bo Katan like ki- destroying uh, uh, Tie Fighters like barehanded. Basically, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, like that. And then you had Ezra to like crashing into the windshield, and he just... that was uh, that was really funny. That actually. was good. I, yeah, I laughed out loud when when they did the whole like, and then and then like uh, you know they like climb up it or whatever. But that that was pretty funny the um, scene where chopper grabs the blaster and just like whacks a stormtrooper in the face yeah! I, that made me laugh yeah. <laughs> and then he just kind of tosses it he doesn't yeah. use it as a gun he just whacks him and keeps going <laughs> yeah i also um i did really enjoy the end of the episode i like the idea of sabine giving even uh, giving you know bokatan the the dark saber because in a way she does sort of deserve it more not even just by blood but like you know She's been I, keeping I, the fight going ever yeah. since the Clone Wars. I I think Sabine, in a way, is has kind of gotten past Mandalore, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mandalore is sort of just like one blip on her radar in in terms of like her her kind of deal is the overall battle and not for planet. And I think her giving her the dark was sort of like I I I trust you to take this up and and you are the right person for this and I like the idea of Vokatan being leader of Mandalore. Yeah. I think for I think for um Sabine that Mandalore represented her her family now that she has her family. She that part of her is complete. Mhm. Yeah, and clearly there's some leftover stories from her time with the with the empire and then she got to kind of close the door on that as well by destroying this weapon. Um, I, I, I kind of do question at the end, we've, we've killed a lot of people as rebels, and I'm curious <laughs> as to why, you know, we're taking a moral stand in that last moment. We, we've killed a lot of these guys, like a lot, like earlier in the day, even. What was the moral stand? They didn't kill the... 
stormtroopers. Yeah, she turned off the machine right. and setting, you know, instead of letting it. I mean, though she was kind of torturing them, she was doing like it's not enough to she kill wants. you. It's okay because she ended up blowing up the entire ship, so even more of them died. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, they do blow up a whole star destroyer. The huh? whole star, the whole thing blows up. I doubt any of them. That you don't see any escape pods being shot out. So Some no guy one, on the toilet, right. like reading the hollow net, is like, oh, They're just Ooh. gone. Ooh. Which is like weird enough. In that moment, she's like, oh, well, what kind of lead, like, what kind of people do we want to be, like, you know, saying we, we can make a choice right now to be better. And then it's like, we killed a bunch of people 10 minutes ago. We're going to kill a bunch of people in five minutes. Like, it's like it's we're, just... don't kill just 15. Kill 700. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Hmm. But that, that is, is a good question. This is the little things where you kind of wonder. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to see more of Mandalore, but I, I guarantee we're done with it. Like in Rebels. Yeah. yeah. I was really hoping we would see the capital again. Like I wanted to see if the architecture would match. Yeah. But she kind of got that with that one uh, that one place in the desert. But aside from that, we, we saw nothing else. Yeah. Like I want to he- see, and maybe this is book, comic, or future animated show. So, like maybe if we do get the between four and five animated show, you know, maybe the... Bo-Katan trying to reunite Mandalore under her banner is one of the anthology seasons or something, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. which I would absolutely adore, but yeah, I want to know how that's going to go, but I have a feeling we're going to leave it up to whatever happens next. And, and I feel like the show has so many more questions to answer that this feels a li- pretty much Mandalore feels wrapped up. Yeah. I, it's I finally agree. getting back to, the hands it needs to be in the question is will it stay in those hands and what was the uh like after return of the jedi what happened to mandalore yeah because we have no clue yeah and and obviously there's going to be like a mandalore civil war again uh which sure let's do it uh it's not called star piece so uh yeah And on that note, I like that. It's not called Star Piece. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that is going to do it for this meaty, meaty two-hour episode. My goodness. And people ask me, how can you talk about Star Wars that long? And we just did. Uh, and there's still stuff we did not talk about. Yeah, and I feel like I could keep talking for another three hours, but I'm not going to do that. So, once again, thanks for listening to this episode of Long Time Ago Radio. May the Force be with you, and we'll see you all very soon. Goodbye. Peace.